Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Two Dudes in a Kitchen with Tyler Florence and Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. All right, everybody, I hope you're hungry. It's time for another episode of Two Dudes in a Kitchen. It's Wells Adams and Tyler Florence hanging out with you. I'm excited about today's episode because we're going to talk about something that I love very much and is actually near and dear to my heart because my father does make his own olive oil. We are going to have uh, David Garcia Gary on. He is with the olive oil company called Corto, which I'm sure everyone is familiar with. Every time you go to the grocery store, you can get this olive oil. And he's almost like a sommelier of olive oil. This guy makes sure that they are making the best olive oil in the world. So this is going to be a fun episode. But before we bring him, I thought I would ask you some questions about olive oil to get us ready for this interview. Yeah. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So first off, do you like the taste of olive oil? I feel like this is me. Yes, but I, I love the taste of olive oil. I, I think it's really great. And and that's a very consistent question that a lot of people throw my way. Tell me about your favorite olive oil. Tell me, you know, how do you cook with it? Do you saute with it? Do you finish with it? Now, there's a whole spectrum of olive oils. You know, extra virgin olive oil is going to be a really good marker if you go to the grocery store, kind of what you're looking for. Um, and then, you know, once you get in get into it, there's like super premium uh, um, uh, uh, olive oils that come from very prestigious pieces of real estate around the world, you know, like Tuscany or Napa or Santa Barbara or you know Greece or Spain. You're going to get some really super special olive oils that cost a lot just because they're single origin. They're not blended. They're hand harvested, uh, super premium stuff, award winning, yada yada. So sometimes, and and this I get a little bougie with it, but sometimes I I can pay fifty, sixty, seventy, a hundred dollars for a bottle of olive. Oil and not really blink if it's really, really special stuff. Now, the more expensive I get with it, the more stingy I am with it. And then I just finish stuff on top, right? So if you will think about like a caprese salad, so it's really good vine-ripened tomatoes, great burrata, really good fresh uh, basil, uh, hand-torn, and then you're going to finish it with the nicest olive oil you have. Now, when I'm cooking, 
it'll, it'll it's definitely a good high quality olive oil but it's probably something that's a little more of a blend a little less expensive some you don't mind burning through but um i only cook with olive oil uh, extra virgin olive oil 100 that's the only thing that lives by my stove and i don't really cook with anything else now i can make an argument for everything else right because there's always a time and a place for very very specific oils um like if you're going to cook like really like a michelin three-star you know wild alaskan salmon and the flavor needs to be just like on point and pure then you want to go with something that's really really light right like an avocado oil or something that has no high smoke point no flavor whatsoever nothing to get in the way of it but to me, I, I love sort of rustic cooking. So anything that kind of feels like a garlic and rosemary and sage and because I can match up flavors with anything in that world. And olive oil is my lip of a choice. So that's the only thing I cook with. So what are some of the flavor profiles and tenants of really, really good olive oil? Because I feel like it must taste different than just like the regular olive oil that you're using to cook. Yes. So David is, is going to give us a lot of breakdown on this stuff, and, and I can't wait to jump into him with this because he, he is a, a super wealth of knowledge when it comes to what olives taste like what and why. Now, sometimes you can get sort of a grassiness um, or uh, and sometimes it's even I, I'm, I'm, this is going to sound hard, but gasoline. It's like sometimes it can be really very peppery right? Very, very hot, almost kind of hard to swallow sometimes. And I don't know if I necessarily enjoy those all the time. Those are great, like finished on top of a crudo or balanced out with citrus or something that has like sort of a natural sugar flavor to it to kind of uh, mellow out some of the, the astringent grassiness. And some people really, really like that. Um, when, cause we, uh, custom blend our own olive oil at Miller and Lux, we use one blended olive oil, um, uh, for a citrus salad. And then we just made a steak oil, um, which is uh, um, organic extra virgin olive oil blended with garlic and herbs that we call California steak sauce. Like we finish steaks with this and it's delicious, right? Um, and no, it's, I'm going to send you a bottle. I'm going to send you a bottle. Yes, please. Yes. Um, but uh, but like olive oil um, is is going to give you something that feels somewhere between grass and butter. I think that's a really, sometimes a little woody. Sometimes it's going to taste like sage. Sometimes it's going to taste like, you know, um, um, sunshine, um, and you're going to have preferences of olive oil that you like and olive oil that you don't like. So sometimes, you know, buying some stuff is really the only way, or if you can go to a, a really good retail store, if they have like, you know, since COVID that people don't really do this very much anymore, but have like samples of like olive oil with like big chunks of bread. So you can taste it and sample it. But listen, if you go into somebody's house, I think sometimes that's a really great way to dig through somebody's pantry. If, if they've got really good olive oil, snap a pick, you know, put that in your notes on your phone. And the next time you go to the grocery store or order it online, you know, become a, uh, like a, a little sort of olive oil snob yourself, you know, collect some stuff, try some stuff. It's experimentation. What color should good olive oil be? The greener, the better, right? So sometimes if you're going to get really, really super green, extra virgin olive oil. So what they do is they harvest the olives. Um, and this is generally after wine season. So olive season is, you know, grape, grape season is September to October. Olive season is October to November. So it's the tail end of the super hot days of summer. And then when the weather starts to cool down a little bit, the olives get pulled off and then they get stone ground with the pits. I mean, I've seen like really amazing um, olive oil production facilities in Tuscany, and I've actually made extra virgin olive oil in Tuscany. And so they take all the olives, they'll put them in this like big stone vat. Um, traditionally, there's like more technologically advanced systems now, but then to put a big stone on top of it and grind everything together. And sometimes these are like horse drawn, big, huge stone wheels. And then they'll make a mash out of that. And then they'll, they'll pipe the mash into these wire mats 
that has a hole in the center and they stack up all the mats 25, 30 high, and then actually have a, a, a sometimes a hand press or sometimes it's hydraulic, but it gets pressed. And what get, what comes out of that is just this blend between, you know, like olive juice and really spectacular extra virgin olive oil that gets spun. And then the water gets uh, pulled out of that. But what you have from the skin contact is going to get this really duper, super duper uh, green color. So the greener, the better. Now, it, the, the, when you get olive oil, that's like has a more of a neutral color to it. That's a little golden, right? I, I promise you that's a blend. It's probably not hundred percent extra virgin olive oil, but the greener you get, I, I think sometimes that is a, 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 a sign of value, right? So super sticky green extra virgin olive oil is probably going to cost more. It's probably of a higher quality. Where should you store your olive oil to keep it as fresh as long as you possibly can? Olive oil will probably last you six months. I think anything longer than that, it's going to begin to oxidize. Because the second you crack it open, air is the arch enemy of olive oil because it'll start to degradate the flavor. And it, it'll, it'll start to become, it'll start to smell rancid, you know, a little bit. Like sometimes you crack open an, like a little odd ball of olive oil that you found in the pantry that's been there for about a year. And it just smells stale. Right. It doesn't smell fresh. It'll smell stale. So best case scenario, you want to keep it out of the sunlight. You want to keep it in a cruet. Right. So the so the you, you want to keep it out of the sunlight in the pantry and then and then uh, uh, keep it next to your stove and a cruet stainless steel cruet that doesn't have obviously any sort of, you know, uh, 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 excessive air exposure to it, right? So something that's like nice and tall, um, that, that's easy to pour and something that you can kind of use as like your cooking you know, vessel. Uh, that, that's your olive oil gun that you're going to add to the saute pan. Do you need to keep it in like a dark place? Is it like beer that like if light gets into it, it can get skunky? I think oh, skunky is a great way to describe it. Um, but it's it's definitely, I, I don't think it's got to be dark necessarily. Um, I, you know, if you keep it in the pantry and the pantry door is closed, or if you mm -hmm. keep it in a cabinet and the cabinet door is closed, I think it's dark enough. Okay. Can you tell me what the difference between extra virgin, virgin, and pure olive oil is? Because I don't, I don't think I know that. Um, yeah. So extra virgin is going to be the first pressing. Okay. So okay. that's like, so, so again, they'll take the olives from the tree and then they'll grind it up. And sometimes they have, depending on the olive. Now I've seen this other thing too, which is super high tech. They'll put it in this big stainless steel. Um, it's like a tumbler almost, but it's about the size of a, of a tractor trailer on a truck. It's massive. And inside these things are these like wheels with these small little pins in them. Instead of crushing the olives, because some some olive oil producers would think that's sort of like uh, aggressive, right? Because you're going to crush the pits. The pits have an off flavor. It's not just a pure olive oil. So they they want to pierce the olives, but not crush the stones on the inside. And then and then once they um, or or some people in a very very old world will just grind everything up, stones and everything, stones, stems, leaves, everything, it all goes in, right? And then again, once they once they get this mash, they'll pipe it onto these mats and then press it. The first pressing is extra virgin olive oil. That's the first, first, first one, right? And then the second one is going to be virgin olive oil. And then pure olive oil is going to be an olive oil that's blended with vegetable oil, mm. right? So you're going to get something that's like really good, actually, really good flavor of olive oil, but it has an extender to it um, that's usually vegetable oil. So you'll get like bulk quantity and that's probably less expensive. It's not bad. You know, it's good to cook with. Yeah. Is Are there benefits to cooking with, you know, blended olive oil in comparison to extra virgin like is a smoke point higher because it is blended with vegetable oil 
The smoke point is going to be higher. Yeah. So the viscosity of olive oil is relatively thick. It's going to have a, a low smoke point. Uh, and, uh, you know, so sometimes having like a, a, a less expensive. So like I said, the really, really good sticky green stuff that I absolutely love. I don't, it doesn't even get exposed to heat. Right. I just finished with that. But if I have a really great um, extra virgin olive oil that I like to cook with, um, it's usually a thinner, clearer, lighter extra virgin olive oil that has a higher smoke point and something you can get a nice sear on without the olive oil starting to break down and starting to kind of smell funny uh, in, in the saute pan. Um, so, um, I, I think to answer your question, um, having like a really good, um, um, uh, uh, you know, extra virgin olive oil, but then having something that's just a not so expensive, but then something that has, has sort of a lighter quality to it and just, you know, crack it open, take a look at it. Um, and again, experimentation is going to be everything. There's like, I think I have 10 plus olive oils in my kitchen right now. Why is smoke point important for when you're cooking? So a smoke point is when, you know, it, it becomes, um, I'm going to see if I can explain this simply, right? So when you're going to cook something, you want to sear before you stew. Okay. So, so when you're searing something, you're caramelizing the proteins and it's what they call the, um, the, the, uh, uh where, where the, the amino acids and the proteins begin to melt and they start to fuse and make a really, really gorgeous crust, right? It's delicious. Right. So, so that is what's going to happen at a smoke point. Now, anything's smokier than that, you're risking the stuff igniting and catching the house on fire. Have you ever had like a bacon fire? Yes. Have you ever done that. Yeah. Okay. So that's what happens when oil just gets too hot. It'll literally eventually ignite, right? So the smoke point, so the, the, when you start to warm oil, you're going to get sort of convection. You're going to get like motion and flow in the oil. You can actually visually see with your eyes. And then once you kind of get like a little bit of haze to it and a nice light smoke sort of to it, that's a really, really great time with dry protein, nothing but of course, right? You want to take your salmon, your chicken, your pork chops, whatever, make sure it as it's bone dry on the outside seasoned, and then drop that very, very carefully into the olive oil um, at at smoke point, right? So that's the smoke point is the point where you want to saute nothing below and hopefully nothing above that. Like if I'm cooking a steak, like would you would you put olive oil on the steak before you throw it on the grill or just like salt and seasoning? Depends on the marbling, right? So steak specifically, right? So if I've got like a really, really great Wagyu, something that's going to extract some fat, sometimes I won't, right? Like if you've yeah. got a really gorgeous, like a plancha thing outside, um, but um, definitely a little bit of olive oil um, either on the protein. Sometimes I like doing that because that's an adhesive that'll, uh, that'll, you know, uh, keep the salt and pepper cause sort of like onto the piece of protein itself. Um, it's a great way to just like slather it with something sticky. And then, um, uh, you know, and then also, um, if you're not really crystal clear on your pan, um, having, uh, the hot olive oil will be sort of a neutral, super hot point, um, that will keep hot spots from popping up. So if you just take a piece of protein in a dry pan, it's going to be hotter than one spot and the other. But with the the oil that you're using, you're going to have more of a neutral, even hot uh, um, circumference of the circle itself as you're starting to drop it in. And then it'll be nice and brown from one into the other. Nothing is better, I believe, in the world than dipping bread into olive oil. Uh, right. And I even have like one of these little dishes that has ridges on it and you get a piece of garlic and you can rub it in the dish and it kind of breaks down the garlic and then you put olive oil in it. Mm. How do you feel about adding like balsamic to olive oil when doing like the, the bread dipping thing? I think anything goes to be yeah. really, really honest with you. Right. So I love, you know, m m like taking garlic and olive oil 
um, and uh, garlic and anchovies and making a really, really fine mash out of that on a cutting board and then adding that to extra virgin olive oil and then bringing it up very, very, very slowly where the garlic will begin to become sweet. And then you finish that with some fresh cracked pepper and then maybe a little like lemon peel in there just to kind of perfume that one more time. That's fabulous with like crudite or that's really, really great with like fresh toast of focaccia. Unbelievable. Ooh. I think that kind of stuff is great. Warm olive oil uh, uh, it, it's the elixir of life, especially if you start throwing some fun stuff in that and really start playing around with it. One thing that we do with olive oil, my wife does this more than I do, but we always seem to have it around is we confit garlic, right? So, so she'll take, you know, we'll, we'll buy a big bulk bag of garlic from the grocery store. You know, half of it we'll leave out because I want to chop up some fresh and the other half will smash the individual garlic cloves. And then she'll take some really good extra virgin olive oil and then uh, slowly begin to confit, just slowly begin to warm the garlic and the extra virgin olive oil where the garlic is just roasted and tender and sweet and delicious. And then we'll just store that into a tight jar in the refrigerator. And I'll use that for vinaigrettes. I'll use that for a marinade. I'll use that just sort of like kind of fortify like a, a pot of beans or whatever I'm cooking to get a really, really deep, delicious, sweet garlic flavor. And that smeared on fresh toasted bread that added to, you know, a couple of cloves of confit garlic added to extra virgin olive oil. If you want to use that as like a, you know, like a, a great bread service for a good pasta dinner, that sounds amazing. So when you're bringing that garlic up to confit, uh, do you do you discard the garlic cloves afterwards and just hold on to the olive oil or do you have the garlic and the olive oil still in the jar afterwards well yes yes so so when we confit the garlic we save the garlic and okay. uh, the extra virgin olive oil because we just will because of the 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 garlic is is marshmallow soft mm -hmm. and then we'll just like add that to whatever but then but if you're going to answer your question what we were talking about earlier as far as like is it good to have you know bread service with warm like that's one of my favorite things ever so uh having confit garlic uh laying around to add a, a few uh cloves to warm olive oil as part of a bread service with a fresh toasted baguette with charcuterie and fresh cheese and stuff. That's a delicious starter. You were just talking about salad dressings that you and your wife make. What is your favorite salad dressing to make with olive oil? Um, sort of a classic French vinaigrette, right? So that's going to you know, start off with finely minced shallot and then uh, usually fresh thyme and uh, uh, good smooth Dijon mustard. So that's going to be the base. And uh, the mustard is going to act as the emulsifier. So there's a couple of ways to make things sick, uh, uh, make things thick with olive oil. And that's either with egg yolk or uh, Dijon mustard. There's a couple of ways to do it too, but the Dijon mustard stuff is nice. And then so uh, uh, shallot, fresh thyme, uh, a little bit of red wine vinegar, uh, Dijon mustard, um, a, a tiny pinch of sugar, good salt, uh, fresh cracked pepper. Um, give that a nice sort of uh, stir together as a base and then slowly emulsify and the extra virgin olive oil until it gets nice and thick. And then hit it with lemon juice right at the very end. Uh, one more hit of salt if it needs it. Um, sometimes you can finish it with fresh herbs, especially in the summertime. If they're popping fresh chive, fresh tarragon, uh, fresh basil, all that stuff, it tastes really, really delicious. And that's probably my go-to, you know, vinaigrette that I make all the time. The other one, which I really like is sort of, it's more of a Greek vinaigrette, um, with dried oregano, um, red wine vinegar, extra virgin olive oil, and finely minced shallot. And then you just kind of shake it together. That's fabulous over like feta, uh, you know, cucumber, 
uh, really great Kalamata olives as, as a roasted peppers, as a drizzle. That's really nice. Last question before we go to break. I've heard this. I don't know if I believe it. And I wanted to get your take on it. Apparently a tablespoon of olive oil after a lot of drinking alcohol mm -hmm. sobers you up faster or makes your hangovers not as bad or helps your stomach. Do you believe this? Have you tried it? Um, I, I've never heard of that in my life. Um, really? uh, yeah, I, you know, m maybe as a chef, uh, I I've been quietly doing that without knowing it <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, 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 listen, I, I, I probably consume more olive oil than, than most people. Um, but I, I think that probably makes sense, right? Because, uh, the, the fat as a lipid, uh, will disperse liquid, right? So the reason like out, like water and oil, they're not buddies. They never have been, they never will be. They're always going to stay separated. So maybe it kind of takes some of that, you know, that, that, uh, that, you know, uh, stuff you've just, uh, poisoned your system with, um, um, willingly, uh, and sort of separate it out a little bit. So it's not so potent, I guess. Right. Yeah. I'm willing to look that up though. I've never heard of that. I'm going to try it. I mean, I've heard people are putting like olive oil in coffee these days and that just sounds like coffee already makes me go to the bathroom. That sounds like it's an immediate <laughs> run it? to the bathroom. Doesn't it? I remember right? like, it's like what, what was the potato chip? I think it was like maybe, I don't know, 10 or 15 years <laughs> yeah, ago. Alexa. Yeah. Remember that? Yes, I, I do believe the term that we were uh, hearing on the news was anal leakage. Anal leakage. That, that yeah, was not. I don't know, man. That just not sounds good. like boo-boo belly to me, bro. I I, I don't. No. I, I can't get down with that. I, I have you had the olive oil coffee at Starbucks? No, not interested. I don't know yeah. what. I, I feel like we should try it. You know, yeah. we are a very very professional podcast, and we do our research <laughs> on those kind of stuff. So maybe I should run down and just go grab one. We'll uh, do the episode yeah, from sounds... the toilet. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. That's 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 where we go to break right there. Yeah. Wonderful segue. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on Two Dudes in the Kitchen, we're going to have uh, David Garcia Guerri on, and we're going to talk everything olive oil. Don't go anywhere. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, welcome back to Two Dudes in a Kitchen. It's now Three Dudes in a Kitchen. Uh, very excited to have our next guest on because I love the stuff that he works on. And Tyler uses it to make a lot of money as well. Uh, please welcome onto the show, David Garcia Aguirre. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, thanks. Olive oil. How does one get into olive oil? Because that sounds awesome. Well, here in the U.S., it's purely by accident. Um, I, I studied philosophy in college, like any good <laughs> master miller, um, and uh, was actually a soccer player, um, pretty high level, like kind of trying to break into the pro ranks, but never quite made it. Uh, went to Spain, got injured, came back, uh, started a metal like a metal art sculpture studio in Davis. And then one day my neighbor came over and asked me if I wanted to build a mobile olive oil processing plant. So yeah, built that and ran that for about four or five years. And then I got hired by Cordo. The story oldest time. It happens all the time. <laughs> and you guys are in Lodi, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Lodi is, I, I think it's the next big wine region in California, by the way. Um, because they're producing unbelievable grapes, really consistent weather temperatures throughout the year. Perfect for uh, cab, really perfect for olives too. Very good. So weather and terroir is everything. It is. Yeah. The, um, I mean the, every night cools down because of the Delta breezes, like the ocean breezes that come in. Uh, it's really good for a lot of white wines, a lot of Spanish whites like Albarinos and uh, some, I don't know, I, just, I love wine as well. But for for the olives, uh, it is it, basically around Lodi in the area, you know, maybe two hours north and two hours south has really been proving to be a wonderful area for quality olive oil. Okay, so you're a master miller. How does one become a master miller? Um, I mean, essentially all that means is it's like the, you know, I'm the winemaker of the, of the, uh, of the olive oil, you know, mill, um, there, there is not like wine in that there's like great university programs or anything. It's really, um, it's really about getting in, you know, on a small mill and having a good mentor and kind of teaching yourself chemistry and production and, engineering and and everything you can learn and uh and um and just you know scaling with it as you go can you walk us through the olive oil production process because that sure. is just yeah that was my question that's so fascinating yeah so the i mean let me let's frame this whole conversation by starting with the fact that olives are a fruit um, a lot of us don't think of olives in terms of fruit but it's it's just a really great way to think about olive oil uh, as a fruit juice. So basically what I do is I make, you know, I make fruit juice. 
Let, let's start off this way. I'm going to start with a little analogy. I think this always helps frame the conversation. So let's let's picture an orange tree in the back of your yard. You go out there at the right time of year, and that orange is perfect. It's sweet. It's you know it's awesome. It's flavorful, and you juice that orange. You end up with a really high quality orange juice, right? Now, if you uh, if you let that orange hang on the tree for another, you know, three to four months, that orange starts to ferment, it becomes overripe, it starts to rot, and eventually it drops off the tree. And you can make, you can still juice that orange, but it's not going to be very good. Um, the reason I bring this up is, you know, olives have an extremely short harvest window. It's October and November in the uh, in the northern hemisphere. It's like, you know, 30 to 45 days when you can make ultra premium oil. So we head out to the fields and um, and we harvest and rush the olives to the mill uh, during that 45 day window. So the rest of the year, the mill sits idle. So it's really 45 days a year, kind of like wine in that sense, where we're essentially crushing the olives. We, uh, we're slowly agitating them for about 20 minutes cold to try and preserve all of the aromas and all of the, uh, the polyphenols and all the antioxidants and everything that's really healthy in olives. And then we use centrifuges to extract the oil from the rest of the, of the olive, which we call pomace. From the moment the oil is out of the olives, all of our energy from that moment through it, you know, through its consumption changes to protecting that oil from light, heat, and air. So really my job as a master miller starts at the end. You know, we always we always like to say that we we try and guarantee olive oil, fresh olive oil through the very last drop. And then we work our way all the way back through production to make sure that all of our, you know, all of our chefs and all of our customers get fresh olive oil. So there, there's to me I, uh, one of the most fascinating, uh, stressful acts of of harvesting olives is the time frame between the olives coming off the tree and when they have to be milled, because it's very short. Yeah, that's correct. It's we're talking hours. So you know the one of the big advancements in olive oil um, and really in 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 ag. Um, has been a new way of planting called super high density, where the olive trees are planted very close together, like three to four feet apart. And the it's really it's kind of disrupting the the whole category because what it allows us to do is it allows us to harvest mechanically during that really really short window when you can make ultra premium oil. So the uh, the the moment those olives come off the tree and they're coming off in larger volumes now, um, they they have to get to the mill within four to eight hours, really, mm -hmm. to make a premium oil. So what happens if it doesn't get there in time? Is it just thrown away? Tastes like garbage? What happens? Yeah. So the the what happens is the olives begin a fermentation process, and those fermentations produce alcohols. So we end up with a defect in the olive oil. Um, we call fusty. In fact, most probably. You know, I the let's just say this. I don't know the exact percentage. Probably the vast majority, close to eighty percent of the oil sold in the United States has this defect from overripe or you know fermentations in the fruit. It's got to happen so quick. Yeah. You know, so so the and especially you know you go to Tuscany and some of these small towns, they'll have you know the olive oil producers, but then they kind of act as a co-op. So there's a central you know olive oil processing facility in the center of the village, and you've got a window. To get in, get the stuff, you know, get the your olives off of your tree in line, in queue, get a, get them uh, pressed, get them extracted, and get your olive oil out the door because there's four guys in line. Yeah, and you know, you you obviously are familiar with the high quality producers in Tuscany. When does that harvest happen? 
It happens in October, November. October, November. And the crazy thing is that, you know, over over 70% of the, uh, let's talk about Spain, because Spain produces over half of the world's olive oil. Over 70% of their harvest happens after January. So we're talking January, February, and March. So if you go back to that first orange, that orange analogy, they're actually harvesting olives that have gone through massive fermentations already. They're essentially rotten and about to drop off the tree. By out of preference, right? They like it that way? No, it's just that the the olives are really hard to get off during that really ultra premium window. Traditionally, the only way to do that was to hand harvest, which is probably what you saw in Tuscany. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most of the, because there are so many olives planted in Spain, particularly, uh, most of those have to be shaken off the trees using tr- trunk shakers. And the uh, they're just so hard to get off in the fall. They just wait until the olives are ready to drop because they get more yields. But the quality is really poor because of those fermentations. Mm-hmm. And that's really that's really what's what's so unique about this new method of planting the super high density is that we're able to mechanize the harvest in that really short window. So it's the first time really we're able to scale premium olive oil. So the um, a friend of mine, um, uh, Vincent Rakuti with uh, Enzo Olive Oil, in oh, yeah. Fresno, he's a really good buddy. And I've been down there a handful of times uh, during the harvest. Um, it, we, I, I like Fresno. It's it, he, and he's a fun guy. So we we you know get a chance to get down there and hang out during harvest, and I'll cook and we'll have a big harvest party. Um, tell me about how important bees are to the olive oil production because I think this is fascinating. He spends, dude. Uh, um, he spends a million dollars, right, on bees. They get trucked in to be able to pollinate the the olive trees. And I think this little sort of sub uh, uh, idea in olive farming is kind of crazy. That's interesting. So traditionally, um, we've always thought that olives are self pollinating, so they actually don't need bees. Um, there is some research now going into whether or not bees can actually carry olive pollen, which I think is super interesting. Because as you pointed out, you know, Vincent, they also do almonds and almonds rely on bees almost exclusively for pollination. Mm-hmm. And now that we're finally starting to get some olives planted at some kind of scale, uh, we're, we're able to see the impact of bees better and better. So I think the short answer is I don't know that we know yet what their impact is, um, but that is definitely where research is headed. I want to talk about keeping good olive oil fresh for as long as possible. What what do I need to do to make sure, you know, if I go and I buy a $50, $100 bottle of really good olive oil, how do I keep that fresh for as long as possible? So the, I mean, we, you know, the main enemies are light, heat, and air. So the, the, you know, you're at the, whether, first of all, you have to make sure it's in the right package. If it's like a clear bottle or, if it's in a in a tin kept in a hot area or exposed to light, whether it's UV or sunlight, that oil is going to oxidize super quickly. So, you know, the we early on when we first founded Cordo and we started with this, you know, fresh to the last drop concept, we started off with a massive shelf life study of a bunch of different packages. And what we found by far the best package for fresh to the last drop is actually bag and box like they use for wines. We call it flavor lock because we adopted it to oil, but the cardboard blocks light. It acts as a really good insulator for temperature. And then the bag has an oxygen barrier around it and it collapses as you use it. So the, the olive oil is never exposed to oxygen. So it stays fresh the entire time. Whereas like in a glass bottle, once you open it, uh, it, you know, that, that oil will probably stay 
you know, quote unquote extra virgin, which means not rancid for three to four weeks. Um, so it, you know, the, the reality is it's hard. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's what all, you know, all high quality producers are learning that is really hard to actually get fresh oil to customers, but, you know, start with the package choice. I think that's probably going to have the biggest impact. And I think the most important thing is just use it. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> use it yeah. by current harvest, um, find a producer you can trust. We always joke that olive oil is the ingredient that farm to table forgot. Right. No one knows where their olive came from, especially especially like where we we work in with chefs, mostly in restaurants like, you know, olive oil. Is, it's got a tanned Tuscan person hand harvesting on the tin. And you look at the back of it and it comes from nine different countries and it's horrible quality. So you just said something that I thought was kind of interesting. You said um, if it's not extroversion, it's um, rancid or something like that. So I guess talk me through the differences between extra virgin, virgin, and blend. So I would, I, I'll answer that like this. I think extra virgin is like getting a D in school, right? We think it's the, we think it's a really high grade of olive oil, but it is like all by definition, it just has to have nothing wrong with it, right? So it's not quite rancid yet. That's really, that's, that's what extra virgin means. The, you know, what, what excites me is that we're now able to scale like A and B grade oils. Like we should be talking about how do we get, you know, how do we get fresh, high quality olive oil affordable enough that this is the only oil in the kitchen that we don't need anything else. The problem is we have such a glut of low quality olive oil and blends and oils that never even make it to be extra virgin that we're coming up with a million creative ways of how to use it and how to talk about it. But at the end of the day, like a, a high quality, fresh extra virgin olive oil will do everything you want better than any other kind of oil there is. I mean, it's, it's, it's heat stable. It's got antioxidants in it. It has great flavor. Like it should become the workhorse of the kitchen. Yeah, great for your skin, great for your hair. Exactly. Yeah, if it's you spill you. it, it's good. <laughs> yeah, great omega three fats. Like it's really healthy olive oil. You know, what's kind of interesting is that like there are some people who hate olives but love olive oil, and I guess that's similar to like people who like can't stand tomatoes but love ketchup or something. But mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts to why some people, like my wife, hates olives but she loves to dip bread in olive oil? Yeah, because they're two completely different flavors. So when you're making table olives, you're brining it, right? So you get a lot of that vinegar and a lot of that mustiness from the brine itself. Fresh olive oil is the exact opposite of that. Fresh olive oil, like it should remind you of like a garden, like fresh tomatoes, fresh cut grass, fruits, uh, herbs. It's a very like, it's, it's a very aromatic, like wonderful green smelling uh, flavor. So I think, you know, it's funny, the... And Tyler, you'll probably be able to, to talk to this even more than I can. But I remember watching cooking shows from like, you know, 25, 30 years ago where they would they would be tasting olive oil and they'd say it was very briny or it tasted a lot like, you know, table olives or canned olives. And in, in my world of ultra premium olive oil, that is such a defect, right? It's something totally wrong with it. But I think we're finally evolving to a point where we understand, at least most people understand what fresh oil is all about. Yeah, there's definitely sort of a, a briny caper kind of quality to olives. And I listen, I love olives. I can sit here and snack through olives all day long. I love them. 
they're great. Um, but then the olive oil, like you said, is just sort of it's a different um, expression of the fruit. And so what, what you're what you're tasting is the olive oil itself before it gets salted, before it gets brined. So it's just it's a different flavor profile. But uh, yeah, I love it. And that's why I like to think of it as fruit juice, right? You're just taking the fruit. It's going to smell and taste like that fruit, like the olives are on the tree before they go through all that process, which is a plant, and it's very you know green and herbaceous. We were talking about this before you came on, but there's a new fad with Starbucks where they're putting olive oil in coffee. Um, and we made the joke that like coffee already makes you poop. That seems like it's a nightmare. <laughs> but uh, do you have any thoughts on on this new fad that's happening over at Starbucks? I mean, I, I love it because <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think that once we once we make olive oil, fresh, high quality olive oil. I'll keep saying that because the olive oil that's going into the Starbucks drinks is not fresh and high quality. I think it was a yeah. major lost opportunity. But if we can, you know, my mission is to democratize fresh and high quality oil. The reason I love the coffee drinks is because it's a new way to use it. It's a new way to think about it. It's a new, it's it's using an old ingredient in totally new ways. And I think there's so much room for opportunity particularly for fresh olive oil in other cuisines, even, um, you know, non-traditional cuisines to, uh, to really just start, you know, elevating foods in different ways that I, I, I love all this kind of, you know, what's some people call it chaos cooking or whatever it is. You know, I love all these new, uh, these new ways of trying olive oil. What's your favorite way to utilize the stuff that you make in the kitchen? Oh my gosh. I, I can't pick one. I use it. I, I love it in cocktails. I love it over okay, ice cream. Okay, hold on. I play a bartender on TV. <laughs> I got to I got to know this. What do you use it for in cocktails? Even simple fat washing is great. You can make foams that are really interesting. Uh it pairs particularly well with gins because of the herbaceous nature of of the olive oil. Um it adds really nice texture to a cocktail. Um we we've explored, we've made a couple of uh it's called we call them agramados, but they're called co-milled oils where you actually take other fruit that's fresh at the time and you crush it with your olives and extract the oil from both. So like we made a Calabrian chili version where we took fresh chilies, had them grown up here in Sonoma. Uh, and then we crushed those with the olives and made a really interesting spicy oil. We did the same thing with yuzu. Uh, so we got yuzu from down in uh, Southern California, brought it up here, crushed that made mm. a really interesting yuzu oil. Those two in cocktails are magnificent because they just add such another dimension. At the restaurant, we've you know used olive oil in cocktails for a while, but what we do is we'll, we'll make an infused olive oil and with an eyedropper, we'll float a couple of jewels on a cocktail in, uh, in, a, in, a, in an ups glass. Right. So if you serve so something has like sort of an either an egg wash to it, so it has like a nice kind of froth to it and a couple of drops of, of a perfumed oil. So you get sort of a different uh, flavor profile as you start to drink the drink. It's it's really nice. It's a good finish. OK, so my last question, I'm going to the grocery store. I need some olive oil. David, what do I go get? What should I be looking for? How much should I be spending? That's the big question I get all the time. Like, what's your favorite olive oil? And 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 I, I've got the, the ones I like to use, um, but you never get a chance to explain like what you're looking for at the grocery store. So I'm going to have a very controversial answer to that. And that is don't buy olive oil at the grocery store. Okay. Uh, there's a reason for that. Um, I think it's so, you know, most of the olive oil produced around the world is low quality to start with. But even the high quality oils that are produced, by the time they get to a grocery store shelf, 
they have oxidized pretty dramatically. So it's really hard to get fresh olive oil through retail distribution, um, you know, through major supermarkets. If you can buy from a producer you know and trust and you can get it fulfilled directly from the producer like D to C, I think you're always going to have a better opportunity of getting uh, a fresher oil. Okay, where do we get your oil then? Yeah, this is a question. <laughs> okay, okay, now what? All right, so uh, website. So you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on the website. Um, I would always recommend you buy, we make like a three liter bag and box. I would always recommend that people buy a bag and box if they can. It'll keep the oil fresher for longer. Um, but yeah, it's as simple as just going on to a website and uh, purchasing there. It'll be at your door in six days and you'll know it came directly out of our cellars. And our cellars are climate controlled, under nitrogen, uh, in stainless steel tanks. Like that oil has been taken care of. Okay, so then what's the website? Uh, the website is uh, cordo-olive.com. And also available on Amazon, is that you said? And also available on Amazon. And also on the website, which is interesting, we do virtual tasting kits. So we, uh, we it's an educational tool. Uh, you can do little parties if you want or whatever, um, but it's basically, it'll show you, you know, what the, you know, what fruit at the harvested at the right time tastes like versus fruit that's fermented. And it'll show you what, you know, when good oils go bad, basically, but uh, we'll send you the kit. And then Lisa, who is our education ambassador, will walk you through a nice little tasting. Is there anything that you want to talk about pertaining to olive oil that we didn't ask you? Um, I think that olive oil is going through a new wave, a lot like coffee has, a lot like a lot, other, a lot of other ingredients have. I think the the way we've been trained to think about olive oil is inadequate. It's just, it doesn't do olive oil justice. And, um, and if we can really wrap our heads around the fact that olive oil is a precious juice, um, you know, the, think about it in terms of a juice and that new technologies are making it more and more affordable and accessible, that um, I think it's a wonderful long-term kitchen staple for American kitchens. And that is, that's what I'm hoping happens. I think you're ready to go, right? So we, you get a nice stainless steel oven, maybe you get a Viking something or other, you've got you know a, uh, some good flaky sea salt and you've got a big bottle of super premium olive oil, a knife, a cutting board, and some decent cookware. You're ready to go. I agree. I agree. It's part of the puzzle. You need some really good extra virgin <laughs> olive oil. You want to be a good cook. You need really good extra virgin olive oil. It doesn't necessarily have to be super expensive. Um, you can kind of play around with some some variations and some different things, but you got to have it. I agree. I think it's it's such a simple way to make food better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, apparently you need to go get uh, Corto olive oil, go on the website or go to Amazon. Everything else is trash. This is what we've learned. Don't buy it at the grocery store. Um, and super there you have it. There yeah. you go. Uh, David, thank you so much for coming on Two Dudes in the Kitchen, man. This has been a lot of fun, very enlightening. And um, yeah, I, lo I love the the passion of which you speak about the thing that you work on. I think that's very cool. Uh, thank you very much. I'm, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been great. We got the website earlier, but if there is uh, any place that people can can follow Corto or, or you, uh, where do they need to go? Uh, we've got Instagram, find us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and then, uh, and then the website, it'll, the website's a good hub. It'll take you everywhere you need to go. Perfect. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on Two Dudes in the Kitchen. I'm hungry now. I want to go dip <laughs> some bread and some good olive oil. Excellent. Thank you. All right. See you, buddy. All right. Take care. All right, man. Take care. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That was awesome, by the way. That was awesome. That was awesome. You know, it's one of those huge staples that everybody has in the kitchen. It's one of the biggest questions I get all the time from enthusiasts that want to figure out how to cook better. Olive oil is their thing. And the more they can learn about it, the better their food's going to be in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, I love, we always talk about food and cooking food and, you know, proteins and vegetables and and recipes and stuff. But I, I feel like sometimes we forget like the one of the most important things in cooking is the thing that you put down on the pan first, which is which is olive oil. And I, I would love to do like a butter episode because I feel like that's also really important and very high quality butter is, you know, butter is amazing fat. I mean, th- this is the thing yeah. that fat is flavor. Like fat is, is the lipid lipid kind of carries the flavor across your tongue. Uh, and, and that's where everything comes from without fat. You, uh, uh, there, there is no flavor to be yeah. honest with you, Right. So like, if, you, if you're talking about olive oil, butter, beef fat, like chicken drippings, like th- that's where the flavor of everything comes from. It's amazing. And I do like that. We, I feel like we're in a different time and place where fat used to be such a, bugaboo word and it used to be looked at like oh you got to cut out fat and fat's bad and fat's bad and i feel like that's turned around and now like even olive oils like considered healthy fat and and you really need that 
one, to survive, and two, to like make good food. Yeah, if you want to cut anything out of your diet, sugar. Yeah. That's what you got to cut out. Fat is your friend. Fat is what your body, your brain loves uh, mm-hmm. uh, fat. Uh, you, you know, your, your body loves fat. Your muscles love fat. Your joints love fat. Your eyes love fat. Your hair loves fat. Your body doesn't like sugar or or, or excessive carbohydrates. So I, yeah. I think everyone's starting to kind of figure out that's where the big problem is. It's definitely not butter. And it's definitely not olive oil, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, that was a fun episode. Um, yeah, we got to do like a butter one. I want to do a butter one uh, very, very soon. That great. would be yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, everyone, thank you guys so much for listening to Two Dudes in the Kitchen. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, please do so at Two Dudes in the Kitchen on Insta. And uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah, rate us on on iTunes or Spotify. We are 4.8 stars out of five Ooh, on we gotta get iTunes. That up. We're, we're, that's pretty close to five, bro. Close. You're not going to make everybody happy, but I think we're yeah. making a lot of people happy right now. And I got to say, I'm having a great time in this podcast. Yeah, me too. So much fun. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, have a great week and I will see you uh, again next week. And everyone out there, thanks for listening. See you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes in a Kitchen. Make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars. <laughs> we'll take that. And we'll see you guys next time. See you next time. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.